Ah, diving in cold water on a hot summer day. There's nothing like it. Each year, about 31% of the U.S. population over the age of 16 swim in oceans, lakes, and rivers. Yet, despite such low percentage, a quintessential image of an American summer is children swimming and playing in a lake. In fact, the top swim city in the United States, measured by the number of active swimmers, accessible pools, and top-level swimmers, is Ann Arbor built along the banks of the Huron River in Michigan. As more people concentrate in large cities, where can we swim? Is it getting easier to find pools and swimming lessons? Can the refreshing feeling of a morning swim have a positive impact on our workday and our social life? Today, I talk to Sophia Elnif, designer of natural pools for total habitat, the man-made equivalent to a lake, about building aquatic ecosystems. I also talked to avid swimmers in New York City, Caroline Friedman, clinical psychologist, Ton Downey, journalist. They share the challenges of looking for places to swim in the city and the great joys of finding them. And lastly, my parents from Argentina, both avid swimmers, talk about why swimming strengthens the bonds across family generations. Hi, Sophia. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Sophia, you are the principal designer of Total Habitat, a company that does natural swimming pools. Yes, that's right. Could you tell us what is a natural swimming pool? Yeah, so a natural swimming pool is a freshwater body of water Mm -hmm. that uh, uses a mixture of biological filtration and water circulation to clean the water. Mm-hmm. So without using any chemicals like chlorine and no salt either. One of my favorite things about natural swimming pools is that they're a combination of everything that's great about a swimming pool and everything that's great about a natural pond combined. Mm-hmm. You have the the water plants, you have the the warm, smooth stone that you're you're swimming among, um, really crystal clear, clean water, but without mm-hmm. that chlorine smell, without the burning eyes that can happen with chlorine. And also, like a natural pond, a, a natural pool is enjoyable all year long. And even when you're not swimming in a natural pool, you get the benefit of the plants and the waterfall and the fish. When it comes to the cost, because we're using all natural materials, and usually we we like those to be locally sourced natural materials and native plants as much as possible. So the price really varies a lot um, throughout the United States, depending on where you're building. So like in my experience, I found natural boulders uh, worth $30 a ton in some parts of the country. And then that same type of boulder will be $500 or $600 per ton in another region of the country. But they do vary quite a bit and they can be built a number of different ways. You might have seen online, some natural pools have an underwater wooden wall. That method of building is usually more economical than having all stacked rock 
walls, for example. You can also build them with sandbag walls, which you have a special type of sandbag. You can also build them out of concrete, some more um, formal looking natural pools. Mm -hmm. Some people really like the look of a rectilinear natural pool that has the juxtaposition uh, with these, you know, natural water plants and rocks. Um, mm -hmm. Like a more modern kind of view. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. So, so there's such a variety of the way you can build a natural pool that also changes the, the price quite a bit too. Going back to the native plants and materials that are available to you, that also changed the look and feel quite a bit. For example, it's not the same to build a natural swimming pool in the desert or in the jungle, let's say. Exactly. Yeah. So what we like to do when we approach the design of a natural pool is... Uh, make it as if that pool has always been there. And then okay. you were just lucky enough to build your house next to it. <sighs> that's, that's kind of the, uh, how we start our designs. So we do as much as the design as possible on site. When I arrive in a, in a town, if I fly in or drive in, um, mm -hmm. I'm, I already start looking around as I drive, uh, for what kind of rock, um, is in the area. So I know, what's already popping out of the ground. A lot of times you can see it along the highway. Um, you know, if they're using a, a rock as a retaining rock, um, mm -hmm. that it must be, uh, pretty prolific in that area. So, um, so we start, start with that. And that really helps using natural native stone, stone that's native to the area and water plants that are native to the area really helps make that pool look like it's always been there. I am looking at some natural pools that Total Habitat has built. Um, and there's always a section uh, on the side, let's say on another side of the retaining wall, but that still has water that is still you know, flooded. Mm -hmm. um, how is that part, an essential part of the pool? And what are the, the different parts of building a natural pool? Yeah, great question. So in a, uh, there are a lot of different ways to build our biological filter, which uh -huh. is really at the, the heart of natural water cleaning. We build uh -huh. in ours a robust biological filter that surrounds the swimmer. Um, so we don't usually build, for example, like a separate filter pond and then over here is your swimming pool. We find it's more efficient and makes a lot more sense both for water cleaning and for the space itself to combine the two things. What are the most exotic and extravagant pools that you have designed? Some of my favorites have been, um, we've included some grottos in a few of our natural pool designs and those uh -huh. are really cool and um, where you can swim through the waterfall into like a, a cave. We did one that really great. It's at the Eloe Center. It's in Georgia. Nature therapy center where they have retreats. It's this great big natural swimming pool and has a stream and a waterfall and a big fire pit ring where they do um, some activities built near it. So, and that one was all about nature therapy. Um, so that was, that was a really cool project. Do you build pools that are not just for humans for, I don't know, I'm thinking safari lodges or watering holes for non-humans for animals? Yeah. yeah. So we got our start 
um, as an exhibit design company um, Mm -hmm. building animal habitats for zoos back in the early or the late 90s, designed this otter exhibit that um, included a big freshwater swimming area for the otters. Building that exhibit and researching that um, life support system is what they call it in, in the zoo industry that led our founder, Mick Hillary, to um, to start really thinking about how can we build this for for people? And he, like me, grew up swimming in a lake and swimming in natural water and knowing the the bliss that happens mm-hmm. when you swim in natural water. <laughs> There's just something special about it. Besides building hundreds of natural pools, Total Habitat has written a how-to ebook that has sold more than 5,000 copies. Some of their projects have involved making the pool lining bear-proof or making sure tilapia and humans get along, well, swimmingly. After the pandemic started, Tom Downey, a journalist who, among many publications, travels around the world covering stories for Wall Street Journal magazine, spend time in Colorado, where he got into swimming in the woods. Why do you swim? What does it um, do for you and, and the effect on your work or, or your daily life? I think it's probably the most perfect exercise in terms of being able to separate um, yourself from the world mm-hmm. and focus very narrowly on um either the activity and or your own thoughts because mm-hmm. you know there's other there's other things you can do certainly but mm-hmm. typically they involve like running and if you're running either you know you're on a treadmill and there's all kinds of sensory things in front of you or mm-hmm. you're running through a place and you're seeing things and you're you know curious about what's over there what's behind that facade what's in that building you know um what's that animal or whatever <laughs> whereas swimming and especially the kind that i swim now i mean i do this also because i'm a poor swimmer but the <laughs> other thing that does that does facilitate this total focus uh-huh. is the swim snor- the swim snorkel because oh. then you never even you never even turn your head in le- until you get to the other end so and if you're swimming in the ocean it means you never even look up. You're just focused down the entire time. Yes. And that's kind of an incredible, incredible thing. Um, I mean, probably my favorite or one of my favorite places to um, where I experienced that was uh, Sanssouci Beach in Waikiki, where there's uh-huh. a really nice swim of a few hundred meters out to a buoy. And yes. on that journey, you always go through an enormous, crazy, huge school of small fish. And, you know, you're, you're first you're going through just sand and then all of a sudden you're just surrounded by thousands of fish and you swim through them for, you know, a couple of minutes. And it's just an incredible experience. And especially with the swim snorkel where you're never even turning your head, you're just immersed facing down, facing the fish the entire time. It's a pretty amazing experience. Do you ever um, swim in nature uh, besides the ocean, like in lakes or in places where the landscape is significant? Well, yes, although the place that I did that the most was an artificial place in uh-huh. the middle of an incredibly beautiful mountain area. So there's yes. a wonderful, amazing pool 
in Snowmass, Colorado. Mm-hmm. It's a saltwater pool. It's a public pool, uh, lap pool. And it's also open all year long. And it's an incredible thing because it's surrounded mm-hmm. by huge mountains. And mm-hmm. um, you can also swim in the winter when everything is covered in snow. And it's a really, really amazing experience to swim laps in that location where every time you look up, you see, you know, these snow-capped mountains in the winter, or you see these unbelievable explosion of colors in the fall. It's a wonderful, wonderful place to swim. So what are your favorite places to swim or the places that you have swim? I mean, you know, I only started doing it regularly in the last, actually, in fact, during the pandemic, really. I I mean, I would do it in the summertime um, Mm -hmm. before the pandemic, but Mm -hmm. I didn't have a good pool in New York. And um, in the pandemic, I started to really fall in love with swimming as a result of being in, in, in Colorado and going to that pool surrounded by the mountains, which was just a spectacular <laughs> place to swim. Okay, so we can't always swim in a lake or a natural pool, which, like a garden or a forest, gets better as it ages. For Caroline Friedman, clinical psychologist and New Yorker through and through, finding refuge from the oppressive urban heat is essential to stay mentally healthy. And actually, if it wasn't for the lack of pools or ponds in the city, I feel that she wouldn't even leave Brooklyn during the summer. What I find is when I go away, I miss Brooklyn, but except for like almost everywhere else, it's easy to find somewhere to swim outside. And there are, you know, there are public pools, but, um, you know, they're, they're crowded. You, do, you don't have that sort of sense of refuge like you would, obviously, in a lake or, you know, ocean or, or like a pool where it's not totally crowded. So, um, yeah, I, I do think in the summer, my mental health is definitely affected. And I sort of constantly have this you know, question in my head, like, when, when am I going to be able to go swimming? Where can I swim? Where you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> can I just like be in water, you know, and then I do end up sort of resolving it by just like going back into my air conditioned home and like being, <laughs> being somewhat appeased, you know? Yes. And that sense of refuge that you were talking about, I assume you used to swim in a lake when you lived in Vermont. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. When we lived, um, especially like New Hampshire, there was this, uh, local sort of community center area that, you know, anybody could, Mm -hmm. um, join and and they had a big lake and also a pool. And then, um, yeah, pretty much everywhere I've lived in, you know, then of course in London and Hampstead Heath, they have the ladies pond, which I will admit I did not go to that frequently, Mm -hmm. but it was, you know, it wasn't as warm there. And also you just knew it was there. So it was this, you know, again, public swimming area that was accessible. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, it is very different from a crowded pool, you know, when, yes. when you have a little space in the water. Of course. Yeah. And that sense of refuge, I wonder if that's something that you can take with you throughout the day in your workday, especially when you live in a city where most of our jobs, let's say, are somewhat stressful. Yeah, I mean, I would think so. I was really hoping, I think I mentioned to you, I was really hoping this summer to Mm -hmm. start the lap swim program. And it turns out, you know, so it used to be or usually is the case that in the city, um, 
in the early morning and in the evening, there's um, just the pools, the public pools are open just for mm-hmm. lap swimmers. And, um, you know, so you have more space. But this year, I guess, because of the pandemic, they just weren't able to um, gather the numbers of lifeguards. Uh, the, the city park system wasn't able to able to sort of hire the number of lifeguards they would need to. So yeah. um, they, they didn't get it going. But yeah, that was sort of my image for the summer. Like, okay, this summer it's going to be okay. I'm not going to mind. You know, I'm not going to sort of feel that need to escape because I'm going to go swim every morning and then, yes. you know, get that sense of refreshment, you know, in the beginning of the day. But yeah. That is exactly right. I feel that you get a sense of re- refreshment that lasts with you throughout the day. Yeah. It's 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 not the same thing as going to the gym because right. you can do a routine, you know, at the gym and then, you know, that is a, a way to release stress. But swimming has something special about it. Yeah. You, I mean, actually, so last summer, um, after the first few months of being in the city during, um, you know, COVID, we mm-hmm. got to Maine for a couple of months, which was really a great escape. And there was, um, a very nice pond in walking distance to where we were staying. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, I mean, even just thinking about it, like you just, you feel that sort of water evaporating on you, that sort of chill, you know, for yes. like a long time afterwards. And yeah, it does just st- day on you in a sensory way, you know, differently, I think, than other forms of exercise. Is this something that you ever discuss with your patients, swimming? Oh, yeah. Well, so it's interesting. I mean, I I mostly worked with kids. I, I'm now working in more policy um, analysis and program mm-hmm. development, so I'm not really working as a clinician anymore. But I did work at a um, a residential treatment center for adolescent boys. And there was a a lake there. I think there was, again, sense of like refuge for for kids when they were able to get in the water and all. Um, And it's just such a leveler. It's like learning to swim is an important skill for everyone, whether you have emotional behavioral challenges or not. I always think about this in New York, how disassociated we are from swimming and we mm. are surrounded by water mm-hmm. we live in an in islands but yeah that's no, true it's true i i noticed that when i go to other cities that have kind of done more at an earlier time and and there's sort of development to to make the waterfront beautiful and obviously there was there were reasons the city developed as it did but it's just yeah there's there's yes. still so much more we can do to make the waterfront a refuge for for citizens here. New York has been gradually improving its waterfront in the last decade or so. It has added parks along the east and Hudson Rivers. So why aren't we reclaiming the floating baths that existed until the early 20th century? Only one exists today in the Bronx. For my father, growing up in Mendoza, Argentina, the main city park's floating pool was an opportunity to learn to swim among plane trees and rose bushes and build friendships that still endure today. Pa? Sí, ahora sí. I learned to swim on a floating pool in a man-made pond when I was five years old. I could swim for hours and used to compete. Now that I'm older, I get a bit more tired, but I wear swimming headphones and follow the rhythm of classical music. 
the music can't be too slow because you naturally start swimming at the music's pace. I asked my dad if he finds swimming helps his mental health. He replies, I don't know. I would have to ask the psychiatrist. (laughs) But I would go during lunch after work. And the minute I jump in the pool, I forget everything. At that time of the day, I run to old friends. After swimming, we sit by the pool, chatting in the sun. I look forward to it, not just for the exercise, but for the social aspect as well. I asked mom if growing up in a semi-arid city, water was specially attractive. She says, we live on the foot of the Andes, so outdoor activities revolve around that. Very few people had swimming pools when I was young. We're mountain people. Swimming is not so much in our nature. But public and sport club swimming pools have always been major social hubs here. For mom, swimming was an opportunity to exercise with her parents, grandparents, and then me. She says, not many sports are so easily intergenerational. Swimming is something that children and the elderly understand from the same perspective. Thanks, mom and dad, for passing on your love of water. And thanks to our listeners for diving in with us. A fun botanical fact, coconut seeds have adapted to float on the ocean for miles between shores. So let's go coconut and swim in nature this summer. Till next time. So this is 18 inches uh, deep, uh-huh. whereas the green roof is only an inch deep. So, I mean, obviously, this building was built new. Yes. We built it to hold the farm. Of course. And the soil and all that. Whereas the, the green roof was a retrofit. It was added on, obviously, years and years later. Got it. So that's why it's lighter. But you've got basil, squash, a bunch of other things. Um, but the chefs come here, they'll cut some stuff themselves. They'll work with the farmers to uh-huh. order different things the chefs who are working in, in our building. We have, we have chefs that are on site. We have kitchen, we have multiple kitchens on site. And with the expansion, we have multiple kitchens in this building. Like for instance, this is the, we call this the pavilion uh-huh. on the rooftop. You can have an event here for 1500 people, right? We have a kitchen in there. Oh, wow. So literally... They can cut it here and serve and it bring it there. there, wash it, cut it up, and serve it. Freshest food in New York City. Yes, yes. That's the idea. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a nice thing to talk about. Yes. Um, I've never seen anything like it in, right. in the city. Sure. Now, now Brooklyn Grange. Okay, what was the size of this? One acre. One acre. No, and that includes the beds over there uh-huh. that you're sore. You know, all the beds put together. One yes. acre. Um, the farmers that are working there, so they belong to, they work for Brooklyn Grange. Brooklyn Grange uh, is an urban farming company. Yes. 
And they're the yeah. ones that we hire to manage us day to day. Got it. And they work with our caterers to, um, to uh, you know, uh, you know, incorporate the uh, produce. Um, it looks like so we have an on this side we have an apple and pear orchard. Mm-hmm. They tell me it's the largest rooftop orchard in the world. Ah, That's rooftop what they tell orchard. Me. Okay. Um, there was there were apples hanging, but they just harvested them. Ah. So <laughs> there may not be any. But um, but you certainly see them. You'll see the trees and everything. Um, if you rent this space, say for you know a this, fundraiser, this outdoor terrace. No, no, if the inside. If the you inside. rent that, uh-huh. you get all of this. Wow. You get all this too, this especially t- because if it yeah. rains. Oh, we, I see it. Yes, if it rains, you're gonna want an indoor space. Mm-hmm. So. I am here at the rooftop of the Javid Center visiting the orchard and kitchen gardens.